So my name's Claire, also known as the Naked Warrior, and I am a motorsport fitness, nutrition and training expert. And I work with a lot of drivers, uh, motorcycle riders and carters as well um, to help improve their performance on track and win more podiums. So I've hit record now. Oh, okay, great. So that's it, let's get going. Perfect. Nice and easy, right? <laughs> um, so there's no structure to this. The, the only question is, who are you and what do you do? Who am I? So my name's Claire, also known as the Naked Warrior, and I am a motorsport fitness, nutrition and training expert. And I work with a lot of drivers, uh, motorcycle riders and carters as well um, to help improve their performance on track and win more podiums. Perfect. What a nice soundbite for me to take and use as the uh, the intro for this as well, Perfect. which is really helpful because some people go on a real tangent. Right, I've got to clip this to about 30 seconds and I've got eight minutes worth of talking to figure out what's the best bit to go with. So a nice, concise one really helps. And that was under 30 seconds. So perfect. Okay, great. Um, so obviously it's an, an interesting world that you work in because yes. the the health and fitness side of motorsport is probably overlooked by quite a lot of people. Yeah. especially the I've got lots of money and I want to race a car kind of people because they find out very quickly how small race cars are and how <laughs> much size they need to lose to get into it. Well, um, that's the thing. Yeah, they, they want to have that cutting edge and, you know, they tend to have, um, you know, the people who have got more backing behind them or sponsorship, they've got more money to throw at all the different elements of improving yeah. their racing. Um, you know, sometimes on club level, it's a priority. Like, do I focus on my health and my nutrition or do I buy a new set of tyres that I can go and ride yeah, yeah. car around? I imagine I can drive quicker on good tyres than if I lose five kilos. Like... <laughs> it depends what they're driving <laughs> yeah no that, that's fair um so how have you found that in terms of kind of developing your kind of customer base and your audience things like that obviously you're going to be dealing with people with a little bit more cash flow to throw at this kind of stuff is that impacted on the way that you approach each scenario and each person um it depends like uh on the person and on their situation, you know, like I said, I work with different carters, you know, right from a young age and support them. You know, I've got a driver who's going through to, to F4 racing next year. You know, I've got some different teams that I'm now the performance coach for. Uh, so depending on the number of drivers that they have, um, you know, depends on how busy I am in terms of creating their training programs and also doing the trackside support. Um, it really depends on the person's situation. I've got a lot of, uh, like, you know, younger girls coming through in the karting and they're trying to make sure that they're... Um, setting themselves up with the right lifestyle habits now yeah. so they can have longevity in doing what that they love to do so it's about finding the right person who's motivated because everyone always seems to find the right money for for racing when they need to yeah. <laughs> um but obviously the the more top end uh, racing that you head into and with the bigger budgets they do have more money to to throw at it um and there's probably a bit more of a, an influence on you know making sure that you are maintaining your, your nutrition and your hydration on race days and making sure that you're train, training correctly outside of your your racing as well so you can come to track and perform at your best yeah whereas sometimes a little bit you know at club level i don't want to say lower down um, but at club level it, you know it a lot of people tend to do it more for fun so when you get into that higher level and it becomes a lot more competitive people are looking to say okay what can I do so we'll be doing more VO2 max tests with them we'll be benchmarking different strength tests with them um, and mapping out like a good solid structure for them to follow so they get the progression and the results that they need yeah of course it's a side of the car world that 
has so much nuance to it. Like yeah. you see the videos of um, people going in the like the Formula One brake simulators, yeah, and then next just like slamming forward when they hit on the brakes and things like that. And it kind of really does highlight the importance of training specifically for those yes. environments. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I used to do a, a lot of rock climbing and jujitsu and mountain biking, and all three of those require all different levels of kind of training and yeah. practice and technique and things like that. And motorsport is just another like high-end sport activity really it's very physically challenging especially when you're in either something with a lot of grip going very quickly round corners and fighting all those g-forces or you're at it for a long period of time there's there's so much to it that it's interesting to to learn the differences between how you would approach that yeah um so how did you get into motorsport fitness then okay Um, that is a great question. <laughs> um, so I've been involved like, with health and fitness, gosh, for like 20 odd years now, you know, helping people with their performance, um, many different roles, influences, you know, on an international level, both here in the UK and in Australia and New Zealand as well. So it all started, um, it transitioned, I guess I was doing a lot of work with female empowerment and, you know, helping women to become at the top of their game and, and improve their confidence um, and in that arena. And then the first lockdown happened. And then at that time, I published my second book, which was called The Winning Formula, Discover Your Secrets to Being Alpha Female. So how to have the confidence and feel empowered to, you know, go and achieve your goals. So within that book, I was um, interviewing women at the top of their game in traditional, you know, what would be thought of as male sports. So, you know, I had boxing, I had um, Charlotte Edwards in there, who was the England cricket captain, I had um, Claudia McDonald who's on the England rugby team and I had uh, a couple of motorsport influences in there as well. So I had um, Penny Mallory, obviously she's uh, iconic in, in the rally world um, and one of the first females who were getting into it um, and also a lady called Rebecca Snell who was the first lady of Hot Wheels monster trucks. Wow. Um, so I interviewed all of these women um, during the first lockdown and compiled their journeys and tried to find similarities between the different you know attributes that they had you know how do they overcome the challenges because they were you know passionate they were successful but in what we thought of as traditional male environment so I launched the book um, and then as we were coming out of lockdown you know one of the first things you could do was to go karting uh, I actually do have a joke with my um, fiance we've got a helmet on haven't we uh, so yeah right? exactly <laughs> um, you know and you're away from people I actually took my fiance for one of our first dates to go karting he's like right that's a woman for me <laughs> yeah, yeah but we started to go karting again um, because it was one of the only things you could do I have a bright blue race suit I got noticed for being um, quite quick on track um, and then I'm, I was looking to do a book launch alongside trying to do an empowerment um event for women I thought okay let's align it with the motorsport side of things and let's do it at the local team sport um, get involved with the British Indoor Karting Championships they asked me to be an ambassador for them and start racing for them which I did and then from there um, when was it it was 2021 uh, Formula Woman at that time were you know going through a competition which was to bring novice drivers into track to go and race a GT uh, in the GT series um, and so I was the lead nutritionist in the um, in that competition and I was training a lot of the female uh, drivers that were coming through I designed all of their fitness tests I think we had like 500 international applicants whittled wow. it down to like 50 finalists through this whole testing process which was a lot of fun and uh, then I ended up I think training about 22 of these 50 finalists to become better in terms of their performance and you know they obviously got quite competitive um, 
from there I was then asked to do a lot of work with uh, the FIA Girls on Track initiative right. and you know help support um, you know promo days that they were doing about the different roles that were involved within motorsport uh, started working with a lot of you know the female drivers that had gone through former women we had some drivers that entered the um, Oh, what's the car series? It was an endurance championship in the little C1 series. Um, some other ones went into some uh, GT championships, uh, some international races as well, more into the rally. Then it just kind of escalated from there. I started doing a lot of work with Idola Motorsport and Praga cars um, and working at a corporate level with Praga as well as trackside support for Idola for their drivers. Um, and I was asked to do uh, some work for Alpine and, you know, present from a nutritional perspective on health and well-being in the workplace for Alpine, um, looking more from that corporate side. And then it just, yeah, I guess it I want to accelerate pardon the pun. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I did some work for uh, females in motorcycling as well, FIM, uh, presented it there first FIM, FIA conference, uh, which was at the uh, Royal Automobile Club in Pall Mall. That was at the end of last year, you know, talking about, you know, race day nutrition, race day performance, and, you know, the different elements that you need to make sure that you're including in that training program, um, just to be effective and, you know, have the recovery as well. So I still am, am an ambassador for the BIKC and a role model to bring more of the younger females into, into racing onto track and then helping them navigate their way through. Through, um, you know, wherever they want to progress to, whether or not it's to go from indoor karting to outdoor karting or into actual car racing. Um, and then just working a lot with different drivers, motorcyclists. Um, I've just started working with a, a new client who is, you know, the, the sidecar racing. He's, oh, a, yeah. he's the actual passenger guy. <laughs> Those guys, like, throw themselves about as well. For I know. It's insane to... If, if nobody's seen the sidecar they do it like at the Isle of Man yeah this is where he's going to be competing next year and, and it's just ridiculous yeah <laughs> like, it's it's really interesting as well because obviously there's you know I've, like I said I've been working within health fitness and performance for 20 odd years now you know I've worked at many different levels within that um, and very um, many different like training focuses if you like as well um, you know the bodies are the same it's just adapting the training that you do for the sport that you're doing yeah so it's really really interesting you know to have the different dynamics from someone who you know a young carter to now this new client and the different type of training he has to do because you know you can't have a one size fits all it has to be specific to that individual and they're obviously motorcycle or motorsport discipline that they're racing in yeah of course but you know here's something else i think they're races they do free laps it might be an hour that they're racing for um and just his dynamicness that he has to have it's incredible yeah because it's not the same as someone that's in like a fixed harness yeah where the, the movement is the arms and the legs it's mm-hmm. a full body movement that guy's doing he's shifting his whole weight yeah to help with the upcoming corner and mm-hmm. the dynamic of the vehicle while it's at ridiculous speed like yeah. it must have been a real like challenge for you to come up with something completely different to a lot of the the other stuff that you've done it was fun. It's like, okay, thinking about how he's going to be moving his body. But don't forget as well, you know, he needs to be able to do that consistently for an hour. So his decisions and his reactions need to still be as sharp an hour in. So it's like, okay, how do we get you fit to have the stamina so that your reactions and your decision-making is still as sharp, you know, when you're 45 minutes in as to the first five minutes? How did you come up with stuff for that then? What were you focusing on to to attack that scenario? Um, it's looking at a lot to do with um, 
like kind of plyometric, like explosive movements, making sure that he's not getting big and bulky because he needs to have the flexibility to be able to move, but also doesn't doesn't want to be too heavy um, on on the side car. But also making sure that you're strong and muscular endurance. So it's just different like training principles, you know, rather than going for big, strong, um, heavy lifts. It's like okay, let's be a little bit more um, movement and functional based. Yeah, I'm guessing that's where you would avoid oh what's it called is it hypertrophy yes yeah. or however that's actually it's pronounced hypertrophy hypertrophy <laughs> yeah which is what bodybuilders are doing really yes. isn't it they're like as much weight for as few reps as possible like yeah. it's a different well, type body, of bodybuilding goes more for hypertrophy and it's interesting that you bring that up because I used to compete on, on stage as well so um, I've had different people come to me in the past and they say oh you know I'm going to work with this trainer who's a bodybuilding champion they're going to help me with my motorsport fitness program um, which I just find you know it's ridiculous when I used to train and compete and get, get up on stage myself my whole training routine and my nutrition completely different to, to now yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, I say to these people that, you know, when you're training bodybuilding, it is hypertrophy. So your rep range is going to be different than if you're training for pure strength. And I trained a strong man before and his reps were low, calories high. He wanted mass because obviously mass moves mass. So you're, you're exactly right. With the, we want... Um, you know, anyone who made sport to, to be strong, be able to support their body weight. So there's a lot of focus on their core strength um, for that purpose so they don't get tired, you know, when they're in the, in the seat being thrown around. Um, and also making sure that they're getting endurance in the muscle rather than that size and, and shape development, which, as you say, is that hypertrophy. Yeah, of course. I, I found out the hard way the difference between having a lot of strength and a lot of size. Like, when I started doing mixed martial arts, I'd spent probably three years just in the gym. Yeah. So it was all about trying to put weight on, trying to get bigger. And I think I got to about 90 odd, 95 kilos of like muscle. Sure. And quite a good job. I was really happy with myself. Yeah. And then I started training mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu and things like that. And it's all weight-based. Yeah. So they were like, oh, how heavy are you? And I was like, I don't know, like 90 kilos. Like, Great, you're with this guy. He's six foot three, lean, but really, really strong. Yeah. Because he's the same weight as you. And I just got thrown about endlessly. Yeah. And it was like, right, this is a pain in the ass now because <laughs> I've spent all this time putting this muscle on. It's done me no favours whatsoever for this particular yeah, sport. Yeah, for that sport, yeah. I felt like I looked great, but it was so disadvantageous in yeah. mixed martial arts or rock climbing where you need to be lean and it's and all about body weight. Well. Yeah. Um, so I've started going rock climbing again with my brother, who is much smaller than me, but his power to weight ratio is so much better because right. he's leaner and... Yeah more explosive whereas I've not been training very much lost a lot of my like burst energy and burst yeah. power the difference is my technique is way further ahead than him mm -hmm. so I can kind of get past the disadvantage on the power by yeah. just being better at the sport and then he's always frustrated with me he's like I could do so many more pull-ups than you I was like yeah but I know how to hold my weight better than yeah. you it's like if you have your arms straight out it's not using any muscle power it's just hanging whereas you're doing pull-ups endlessly and using all of your energy <laughs> I mean just it, it's probably been three months or so that we've been doing it relatively consistently and mm. he started to get the technique now so now I'm just I'm out of a shot at anything because he's got both sides on me oh. <laughs> um, I have to get working on the other aspects I know I've, I've got it we've just moved house so now I've got to find a new gym yeah um, <laughs> but it is interesting like from a practical standpoint mm. learning those differences and what really works for what environments and then when you apply that to the different types of motorsport that you're involved in as yeah. well it just adds like another layer to the whole situation which category of motorsport would you say 
is the hardest to train for. So like, I think your sidecar guy is a bit of an outlier. Yeah. But you've got like your motorbikers, your kind of endurance racing, and then not necessarily oh, endurance racing, but say like yeah. Formula One where it's a couple of hours rather than eight hours, or something mm. like that. Which would be the one that would be the biggest challenge? Probably the guys on the motorbikes. Yeah. You know, they, um, they're, what they endure when they're on the bike racing is so much more physical. Um, you know, the, the being in the car, the, the way that the, they have to learn how to shift their body quickly side to side when they're going through the corners. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to make sure that they're avoiding like arm pump and having the right grip strength, but also the, the mobility um, to avoid it getting too stiff and tight. You know, that that's massive for them. Um, their ability to be strong yet supple as well, to be able to move across the bike yeah. um, and have the leg strength as well just to, to cling on. It's, it's, it's different, but I think that's probably a lot more physical for them. Um, you know, and if you're looking at like F2, F3, that they don't have a, as much supported assistance in the actual driving of the car with the power drive, power steering as, you know, F1 does. But those guys are going a hell of a lot faster. Yeah, so yeah. then again, it's the different dynamics of it all. Um, and it's it's what's hard for the, that individual, you know. So it's like having a look at what discipline they're in, and then also having a look at their um, ability to train. You know, what do, what their lifestyle factors are like. You know, they also travelling a lot. Um, you know, how often can they get to the gym? What type of training can they do? So we have to adapt everything for that person. Yeah. That's why I was saying, you know, one size doesn't fit all. No, of course, <laughs> it, it's all quite unique and tailored to yeah. to the individual, isn't it? Um, it's interesting how much of a dynamic difference there is between the cars versus bikes yeah. right anybody that's ridden a motorbike will understand the dynamic difference between it versus someone that's driven a car yeah i think there's also the safety aspect makes those two different environments as well like how do you prepare to get thrown off a motorbike at one an hour is, is very different to how you prepare yeah. for a car crash i don't know if you can <laughs> like no this is just really gonna hurt and yeah. then uh, i'm hopefully not gonna break anything yeah have you found that you've had to do much in terms of like physio and rehab or does that tend to just go to someone else that is specialized in that um i will do a little bit of like uh therapy at track in terms of like activation therapy with a theragun um and things like that and then post-race if there's stiffness then i'll do you know like a, some kind of light massage manipulation um but that's as far as like my um official training in that goes yeah. so you know i'm not going to mess around with anyone in terms of from a physio rehab perspective, yeah, yeah. But that's I'll a broken be, arm i can't yeah, touch that no, one that, right? that, that, that's, <laughs> not, that's not my uh, jurisdiction i yeah. can't do that um, but yeah, obviously i work with a lot of different um physios and you know referrals and we work together to make sure that you know what they're recommending the person does um align with the training program so it's a very collaborative um working yeah, environment course. yeah um so obviously alongside all of this fitness and training and mm -hmm. all of the nutrition and the things that you you've actually got a racing license and yes do that side of things as well do you get a chance to do much racing because um, you tend to be at racetracks for other purposes? Do you know what? This year I haven't raced as much as I would have liked to. Um, the plan at the end of last year was, you know, to come into this year to see which um, championship wanted to, to race with. And then it just kind of escalated that I started doing more with the teams and more of the drivers. So it's like the weekends that I had free to race, it's, they would have been a bit more ad hoc than completing the whole championship. Yeah. Um, and for me, I'd want to do the, the whole one if I'm going to commit to it. 
Um, so I haven't done as much track racing as I would have liked to. There's been some karting, um, and uh, like the last two years, I competed in the BIKC as well as you know a couple of different local team sports to help promote them. Um, but my race license is still there and active, so I could be ready to go. <laughs> and just you know, it's uh, it was funny. I was in. Um, France a couple of weekends ago at a uh, female in motorsport event which they asked me to go over to and then I was back out on track with some of the ladies and I was like oh I miss it <laughs> yeah, I, want, yeah. I want to get back and I'm watching their lines I'm like right okay <laughs> it's really like addictive mm. like, I've been out probably three times on track this year yeah. I'm going to Blyton next week nice and it's like, I, I would really like to do more of this. Yeah. And I'm like, this is really expensive. <laughs> it's not a cheap hobby to, no. to have picked up. Do you have your own car or do you tend to drive? No, it's just to jump in cars yeah. with other people. So. Have you tried the KA racing yet? No. I would I've recommend having a go in it. Yeah. Um, friends of mine ran a car in the series a couple of years back. And then other friends of theirs manage and run a few cars Mm -hmm. so i've been to a couple of the races and it looks like a lot of fun yeah because it's all slow car fast but with other slow cars going fast it's so much more like competitive than people give it credit for yeah and you have to really throw the car at everything you can't rely on any power because there just isn't (laughs) any so if you ever driven like a small hatchback down a country lane and got that like feeling of wow i'm really pushing this thing yeah that's the whole series that is the whole thing it's just doing that endlessly um yeah no that does sound like fun and it's um when i was taken out on track a couple of weeks ago it was um because i've got a little renault clio and uh you know i always everyone says i should always track it because it's a little 197 sport thing and and i'm like no i love my car i'm not gonna (laughs) smash it up on track so then i've been looking at you know potentially racing in in other like clios and um i was taking around track on this other one and showing how to really drill drive it i was like there's no way i'm doing that to my little renault (laughs) it's very different isn't it that yeah, I'd love to do. Like I just the handling of it is it's awesome. So it's the one nine seven you've got yeah. then, which is what, twenty twelve onwards? Uh, mine's uh oh eight, okay, two thousand eight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm getting my times wrong. Yeah. Um I've not driven one of those. I've driven the one seven two. And that is known for being like one of the most fun little yeah. like hot hatches. Um but the the one nine seven was like on my radar when I got my eighty six. Right as a comparative car because I've friends have had them and like raved about them and then I drove a friend's Megane RS oh did you but that was a like a 2021 plate right so the full like 300 horsepower thing yeah completely different car like completely <laughs> different dynamic because the Clio is small and light and you can yeah. kind of throw it at things quite a- aggressively and you have to manage that speed whereas the Megane because it's quite powerful mm. it will understeer quite a lot and it will pull out when you come out of a corner so you have to drive it in a completely different fashion yeah it's such a weird experience because it feels like you're in a bigger clio and then you put your foot down and it just pulls off down the road you're like no this is a completely different car entirely (laughs) um but i drove a gi yaris the other week oh did you and span it yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then i told my friends like how how do you manage to do that it's this four-wheel drive i was like yeah but if you turn all the things off You'll do whatever you want. They're like, yep. right, okay, so you're an idiot then. <laughs> They're like, here are the keys to a GI Yaris, and you span it almost immediately. It's like, yeah, it's great fun. But that's another car that, like the Clio, kind of wheels you down the road to mm. to go, right, how fast can we go? How much fun can we have? Yeah. And then you're kind of hitting the speed limit and going, right, I could be in a lot of trouble here if this goes <laughs> wrong. Like, I know. Because the road between... So we're, we're recording in Squizita in Sorbidrith, and you've come across from Chelmsford Way. Yes, yeah. The roads between here and there used to be my commute. right. So I know those roads quite well. I know how much fun they are, <laughs> especially if it's about. clear. 
But I used to have it, so I've got a little Renault 5, non-turbo, mm-hmm. 1.1, I absolute like base spec. And I used to have a bit of back and forth with a motorbike every day. And by back and forth, I mean, if he saw me, he'd leave me behind. But if he didn't see me, I could catch him and right. overtake him. Because he'd do 40 everywhere and he'd do my head in. <laughs> but that little Renault, it just maximum attack at every corner and just hold on for dear life. Mm. It's so much more fun than driving a really fast car down those roads. Yeah. I've driven some, like, kind of supercar level cars down there. Mm. Nowhere near as fun. Because they're too big, they're too powerful. Like, you can't enjoy it anywhere near as much as my 47 horsepower Renault 5 <laughs> just at full chat. Yeah, there's a lot of twists and turns, and so it suits that style of yeah, smaller exactly. car. Yeah, And it's so much more fun to overtake people in a car like that, because they're like, what is going yeah. on? <laughs> this little old Renault comes flying past. Um, so we've, we've got the nutrition stuff that we've talked about. Mm-hmm. You have done and do some racing when yes. you can. You've written two books. Yes. How did you find that? Fun. Oh, good. Yeah, it, it was, you know, my first book was when um, I was more involved in the bodybuilding world and it was all about competing. So um, it was called The Winning Physique. So it's all about, you know, what secrets, what's the secret to success in trying to get yourself in peak physical condition to get up on stage. Right. Um, and again, same type of formula, you know, it's interviewing different pros that were in there. Um, from different disciplines again you know I had my story in there I was uh, Miss Sydney twice and came second in the Australian National so you know it's sharing my journey and and again it was a lot um, targeted a lot towards women as well you know because understanding the mindset that they go through you know getting ultra lean and then kind of bouncing back and being okay with weight gain and so it was all about managing that and then obviously the the second one as I spoke about was all you know what goes into the the mindset in terms of making someone have the tenacity and the drive to keep following their passion like no matter what it is yeah um and using that as a i guess like a personal development book for, for other women to to be inspired you know so um it's all about looking at you know the mindset and you know i use it a lot in terms of um racing as well you know we're not just being race fit which is obviously your fitness training and the nutrition but it's like are you mentally fit for racing like how do you overcome the um you know, the, the hurdles like if you're out on track and you know you go to do an overtake don't quite get it and you lose a position like what how do you deal with that yeah, so yeah. that it doesn't impact you for the, the rest of the race you just got to have to learn to deal with it quickly and move on um, and so there's a lot of different things that I would do with drivers around mindset for that as well have you found there's a lot of crossover between that kind of mindset for motorsport and competing and the bodybuilding and things that help people just in generally with particularly with the mental side of things like obviously having tenacity and endurance in these sports is going to translate across to how people can kind of live life a little bit more fulfilled it's um you know and it's a lot more prevalent now to be able to talk about different things like this but it's about you know uh, teaching different coping strategies um and teaching people how to overcome challenges you know and teaching them acceptance um you know a lot of things to do as well a lot of people they can kind of feel lost uh you know if if there's not a, a goal that they're working towards if there's no purpose um but then again it's finding that balance where it's like if you don't quite hit that for whatever reason then it's being okay with a different outcome so there's a lot of different things that go to it as well yeah of course i, I think it's really important to learn a bit of like rejection management and things yeah. like that like not everything is going to go to plan and how we manage that is mm. more important than people realise. Yes. Because everyone just goes, yeah, it'll all go exactly how I plan it in my head. And then it can really derail you when it doesn't go in that direction. So obviously yeah. the, the sports that we've talked about are at the right, at the kind of the apex of this 
the whole scenario because it's very black and white whether you win or you lose or if it goes in the way that you want or it doesn't yeah. but in general it's not quite as clear cut and people will often find rejection really really difficult to deal with is there anything that you've found kind of specifically in terms of what to do in the moment of rejection that might be a benefit to kind of just um, I'm looking for like a, a yeah, sound bite a almost sound in a, bite, a little nugget um, do you know what it's uh, uh, just pausing taking a step back and having a reflection of the bigger picture you know um, because too frequently you know when you're in the moment and something happens and it doesn't quite go your way you know it can feel devastating yeah. and then you know you start to feel those emotions and then you start to let them sit in you and then it just spirals and then it's difficult to, to get out of that so it's like okay I'm feeling this let's just take a step back pause let's have a look at this from a high level overview and then just really analyze like the I guess the value that that is in, in that situation, you know, like, are you going to be worried about it in next week or one month, things like that, just in, and what's the impact of that? Yeah, um, of And, you know, what are you allowing to, to take on and what are you just saying, no, I'm not, I'm not taking that monkey on, you know? It's, yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. just being able to be in that moment, take that time to step back and not get caught up in it. I think that's really important. Mm. It's really good advice, and I think people need to learn that skill of, kind of reflecting and taking yeah. a, a broader look at things because we all get caught up in our own lives we all get really kind of in the middle of what's going on mm. and it can be really easy to end up in a bad place by not appreciating the bigger picture and especially when it's something that you're working towards because you'll possibly miss the milestones because yeah. you're just chasing the next thing and every so often it's really worthwhile to go well where did I start like mm-hmm. what was what was I excited about then and how is that now in comparison like I'll use myself as an example when I first started doing what I do just kind of having like t-shirts to send out was the biggest thing like I had a t-shirt a month and I was like oh my god this is amazing like someone's ordered something from me someone liked what I do yeah and now I'm like oh it's gonna be like 10 this week (laughs) and it's really annoying yeah and then I often have to go well let's kind of retrace this journey that we've been on and let's see the different things that we've been up to Mm. and then kind of reflect on that and go well how excited would I have been for this thing when I first started doing what I'm up to and it puts it into a different perspective and I've chatted a few times with different people about the value of perspective Mm. and how most of the crap that we have to deal with can be not fixed and not alleviated, but made easier to digest by a change in perspective. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like, you can have a really shitty day and things go horribly, but if you look at it from slightly different angles, you'll find different viewpoints that are more positive, and it can take so much of the pain out of stuff. Oh, it definitely does. And I imagine that is quite prevalent in what you're, mm. you're doing as well, isn't it? Yeah, in, in all aspects of it. And it's probably one of the big things that I started to move into the female empowerment side of things to, to help give women more confidence um, in their ability and what they're able to achieve as well. And just trying to teach them, you know, the, how to shift their perspective. You know, having um, uh, like a, a routine where they, you know, they go through gratitude. They focus on themselves and what their goals are and, you know, give them a little bit of... Um, structure to what it is that they're working towards as well yeah um and like you said you know when you've changed your perspective you're like okay so this was a bit shit this is what happened today okay well what lessons can i learn from that and actually that was the one bad thing that went on like what other good things happened that day yeah yeah 
I think it's important to kind of take a lot of negatives as lessons rather than punishments as well. Like, I often get asked, because I do loads of different things. Like, I do this podcast and I make clothing and I run on these events and none of it's stuff that I've, like, formally trained in or had background in. It's just, let's have a go, let's see what happens. A lot of people are like, well, how do you do do that? How do you learn that thing? And it's like, well, just have a go and don't be scared to not get it right Mm. this t-shirt is a prototype and it's peeling and there's bits of it that I don't like (laughs) but I made it and I thought oh let's see what happens it was a new thing that I was trying and in reality I'm the only person that cares whether it's right or wrong other people aren't that invested in the scenario but I know now what does work and what doesn't work from the mistakes and the failures like I won't be doing something this big again because the, this doesn't work very well on a larger size so the small stuff works really well yeah. it's a lesson from something that didn't go right and it, it's really important to try and take those lessons mm. because when I first started doing what I do it was nowhere near as good as what it is now but it was something yeah. and then little by little you learn what works well what doesn't work well and you kind of that's how we learn stuff mm. or at least that's how I learn stuff well it's how anyone learns anything isn't it and it's you know you took the action and that's where most people would they have this fear of failure but they're failing if they don't take action anyway yeah. um, and I think you mentioned you were a jiu-jitsu player as well so you understand the, like, you know they teach yeah, it really massively yeah it really fucking hurts if you get it wrong yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem there but, you know I mean my, um, my son does jiu-jitsu as well and they're really big on teaching the, the learn the, or the teaching you know the philosophy that if you fail in a competition it's not a failure it's just learning so you, you either win or, or you learn so you can never lose and you know I think that's a great philosophy to be integrating into you know young children so they can take that through Um, because it's exactly just what you were talking about yeah it's it's a really important thing I think you either win or you learn is a really good thing to to kind of like listen to yeah I've not heard that one before I really like that (laughs) um and it's it's really important that life is just going to throw lessons at you. Yeah. And you'll get some of them, and sometimes it'll take more work. My trouble is that I have really bad discipline, which is why I got into jiu-jitsu in the first place. Right. Was it's a lot of repetitive movement and learning by like memory, mm. but it's also it forces discipline on you, literally. Yeah. Like if you get it wrong, you end up in an uncomfortable position. Is you it? go, oh, I, I learned not to do that again because I didn't enjoy that. Mm. And I think that's a really valuable skill that people need to kind of take away as well is life's going to throw these lessons at you whether you like it or not. Yeah. And it's how you learn to deal with them that kind of makes or breaks a situation. I get loads of stuff wrong, but you learn how to either work in that environment and go, right, stuff's going wrong. How do we fix it? Mm. What's the best way out of this situation? Or you have to turn to someone else and have some help. Like, yeah. There's always an option. There is. And I think if you're, you, know, you, you attack anything like that with that positive attitude and it's like, well, how can I rather than I can't do? Yeah. Then it just gives you, you know, it's being in that growth mindset, isn't it? It's always looking for a solution, always looking, rather than just closing yourself down and thinking, oh, well, that didn't work. I'm not doing it again. It's like, well, hold on. Why didn't it work? Yeah, yeah. Let's see how we can do it better. The, the trouble I have with that, um, so I literally last week had the first preliminary like screening interview for ADHD um, which is like the first well, it's technically the second step in uh, an assessment mm-hmm. um, one thing I'm learning about ADHD is it's one of those where if you don't pick something up quickly you'll just drop it right and it's something that I've found quite often throughout my life if I haven't picked up a skill quick I'll just oh, I've got to figure something else <laughs> out 
The flip side of that is I'll find new ways to do something mm -hmm. because I can't do it the way that I'm supposed to and I'm getting so frustrated with trying with that, I'll just I'll figure it out myself. Which means that you're always innovative sure. and figuring stuff out, which is why the clothing thing has been such a good thing for me because I didn't know how to do it at all and I didn't really have anyone to ask. So it's like, oh, let's figure this out then. Um, but the, that means that if I'm in a scenario where it's like, I don't know how to do this, I'm not learning the thing that I'm supposed to know to do it. So easy just to go, oh, I'm not doing that then. Yeah. I'll just go and find something else to do. <laughs> I'll figure it out myself, it'll be fine. Um, and this has been a learning curve as well. Like the way that ADHD kind of works is once you become good at something, it becomes boring because it's not a challenge anymore. Sure, it's not okay. stimulating in that way. So I've always really struggled with competition. Like when I was a teenager, I played squash. Mm. I went to this competition, lost my first game because I wasn't that good. It was just something that I was doing. And I just lost every game. I was like, I can't be asked now. <laughs> I, I immediately lost. So I'm therefore just giving up on this whole competition and just, yeah, see what's happening. And that's been a real kind of struggle. And I think it would really limit me in, say, like motorsport mm. because my ego would get in the way. So if I'm in a race and something happens, I'd take that really personally. Yeah. And then I'd be like, oh, just, no, I'm not doing this anymore. Can't be asked with it. If I'm not winning, I, I just can't be asked. Like, do you know what? It is hard. Like trying to find that motivation and that discipline to, you know, when you've had the setbacks, you know, be it motorsport, any type of training, or even life, like just to get up and keep going and keep pushing, putting yourself out there. And yeah. you know, I've worked with some a lot of um, like young drivers who be trying to go out and get their sponsorship, and it's like, oh, it's not happening. I don't know what I'm doing next season. You know this, and it's like, well, if you truly love it and it's really what you want to do, you're just going to have to keep going and find a way because the alternative means that you're not going to be doing, doing it, it anyway. At all. Yeah, yeah. So you know that's why it's hard and like some days you might think oh I just you know when they're on those tough days it's like okay I'm not going to do anything for that today get myself um like refreshed because most of the time when you start to get into that negative headspace um and you're feeling down about things is because you've let your energy drop and your energy's low so it's like okay have you been eating properly have you been getting enough rest have you had enough stuff that's coming into your life that has given you joy to to lift you up and be able to you know put like your positive armor on if you like yeah, so you can yeah. go out and, and deal with those setbacks um which, you know, sometimes if you're in a positive headspace, like, okay, cool, you need to brush it off. But if you're, um, you know, you're tired and your energy level's low, it just keeps beating you down. So it's like, right, okay, let's restock, refocus and refuel you, and then we can get you back out ready to go and do what you need to yeah, do. Yeah, it's amazing how much it hurts when you're hungry. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just the difference in people, like someone that's had food and someone that hasn't. Yeah. It is insane how much like <laughs> I am an absolute monster when I'm hungry and tired. Yeah. And then if I'm if I'm well fed and well rested, yeah. I do anything. Let's go. Like <laughs> so much energy. Let's do it. Yeah. Whereas like just all it takes is like a bad night's sleep and not having breakfast. Yeah. And the whole day is gone. It's like ruined. And I, I could have a really good day lined up and that everything will have a negative spin on it. Yeah. Or I could not go to bed with my phone in my hand, get a proper night's sleep, get up early and have some breakfast. And it doesn't matter what happens, I'm having a good day. Like, there's <laughs> such a dichotomy between the two. Yeah. And then you'll have those bad days followed by a good day. And you go, why am I not putting more energy into this? Yeah. Like, I've, I've spoken a couple of times about not taking your phone to bed. Mm. And the, the impact that has on your brain and how you sleep and how you rest. And I'm the worst person for it. So I, 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 I hold no judgments on anybody that takes their phone to bed because... I'll be on Reddit till like midnight and then just fall asleep out of pure exhaustion. Yeah. But it makes such a huge difference. Like, just to give kind of two examples, if I'm on my phone till midnight, I'll get up as late as possible, jump in the shower, grab a slice of toast, get in the car and off we go. 
and then you kind of you carry the weight of that throughout the day you're, you're rushed aren't you the rest of the day and yeah you're kind of on the back foot on the flip side if i don't take my phone to bed if i leave it in the office and i spend my evening you know talking to my fiance and, and having a relationship and communicating and just chatting with my like my best friend yeah and then i'm asleep by like 10 because we just chatted until there's nothing really to talk about and we've calmed down and that's it and then i wake up at like six instead of seven I have time to make myself a cup of coffee and read a magazine and yeah. like start the day with such a like more relaxed pace. Yeah. The whole day just goes in such a different way. You're more in flow, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's a really kind of valuable thing to learn and a really hard thing to stick to because it's so addictive to be on your phone. Like it's mm. such an easy distraction. And again, with this whole ADHD thing and I'm learning more about it's like, well, yeah, obviously, it's like a little dopamine like box. It's yeah. like, oh, look at this, it's new and it's shiny. And it's so hard to break that. And I, I go to my house, like, I need you to like, be forceful and tell me not to have my phone. Within five days, I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'm going, like, <laughs> I disrespect your authority immediately. Like, yeah. let's go. Um, have you found that, especially with, like, say, phones and things, when you're working with people, does that come into the conversation a lot in how they manage their, like, social media and how much weight and value they put into the public perception of themselves. And there's quite a lot of nuance packed into that yeah. one little bit. Um, it depends on the level of the drive, you know. Obviously, if you have a brand and you have a, an image and you want to be seen in, in the public eye, you need to make sure that you're being seen and perceived correctly. So you need to be obviously be acting in, in, in the right way. And, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, there's the... I mean, I don't, you know, I'm quite glad that I'm not young nowadays, but, you know, that the whole um, focus on, you know, you need to be attached to the phone or who's like this, who's like that. Like, I find that quite sad that, you know, people get their sense of validation mm. from that, you know. So that's why it always links back to, the, you know, empowering someone to feel validated without having that external verification. Yeah. It's like, okay, what are you doing, you know, to make you feel good? Um, and so, you know, I've worked with a lot of people as well, and it's like, okay, so what's your core values? What actually? Um, who are you and what do you stand for type of thing and really, it's almost my question yeah, <laughs> exactly um, you know bring it back to the basics so you know someone knows that, that they have value because you know they are they have integrity to, to what they believe in and they're doing what makes them feel good rather than having to live up to someone else's expectations yeah um, you know and always try to teach people to have a, a high uh, standard for themselves you know so that they don't need that external verification either um but, you know, in terms of trying to be on the phone too much, as long as it's not getting in the way of them performing racing and training, then, then I'm OK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I understand that. Um, I think, like, young people have it really difficult with yeah. this. And I think, as someone over 30, it's hard to really understand it because the time when it's most impactful is, like, school and things yeah. like that. We have no real knowledge of what it's like because we didn't have anything like that then. Mm. Like, I think when I was in, like, year 11 year 10 something like that that's when phones started being like capable of doing stuff yeah. other than just playing a song yeah and by that point we were kind of moving out of school and life went in that's when like instagram started mm -hmm. but it's not really when it kind of became a thing whereas now you've got so much that is core to the the lifestyle of a teenager yeah if you're not part of it you're out of it and then it transcends more than your school life. It's at home, it's everywhere that you go. Mm. And it must be so tough, like, 
to try and do anything alongside all of that as well. Like a yeah. kid getting into karting now has to think about his brand perception, what his sponsors think, what's going out on social media from him. Like it's so hard just to be a kid as it is. Yeah. Let alone a kid that's into something as interesting as karting because now they're like training people in motorsports to be like media trained from yeah. the get-go like it's not i think it depends on the the person's goals you know if they're just doing it for fun then you know just leave it at that but there's a lot of other people you know and they have their parents managing their instagram accounts different things like that so you know with with a you know a minor like it's, it is a responsibility of the parents to be looking after that yeah yeah um you know the the kid needs to be there doing their their child stuff and their school yeah, they need to be a kid, and then yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's just, like I said, it is a worry when having to look for, for that validation and managing everything. And, you know, one of the other things that I see is because we're so used to having instant access to information all the time, you know, if something doesn't happen now, yeah. people think that there's a problem. But, you know, a lot of times it's trying to teach people to, to slow down. It's having that time to reflect and allowing your time to think about things because you can't think instantly, you know. And yeah. it's like sometimes, obviously, I want people to have quick reactions when they're out, out racing. <laughs> but it's also having that ability to, like I said before, like step back and have a look at things at a high level, yeah, yeah. you know, which you need to take the time to, to think about and review that. Do you think that having an ability to, in a, in a race environment, to be able to see the bigger picture helps in terms of like thinking of like strategy and stuff like sure, that. Like, definitely. Do you find that that's something that needs to be taught a bit more now that you need to think about a bit more than what's an immediate reactive yeah. process? Yeah, especially with the, some of the young drivers as well. You know, if they're out racing, it's like, hold on, don't don't push too hard right now. Like, you need to be able to have that um, mental capacity out on track to pull back if you need to. So, you know, that overtake there is not going to be the right one for you. Pull back, follow the driver for a couple of laps and make sure it's going to be a clean um, overtake. You know, different things as well. It's like, okay, we just need to get points in this race. You know, rather than thinking about individual race at that time, we have a look at the whole championship. Yeah. So it's like, okay, let let's just get through this race you know it doesn't matter if we're first or third we just need the points to keep going through this championship right yeah, now yeah yeah it's more than an immediate gratification yeah. scenario isn't it yeah talking of young drivers and not thinking ahead i had it on my way here yeah so i, I was i was coming on to the a14 kind of from the a14 it was a it's a weird junction i think i'd pulled off at some services or something like that and there were three separate cars right all of them with four or five 17 to 18 year old lads in. Not together, not in yeah. a convoy, just three separate on the same bit of road. Not one of them made a very good like <laughs> junction manoeuvre decision. Yeah. I got caught up by two of them and one of them changed lanes four times right. across a three lane strip. <laughs> and the junction was in half a mile and they were diving in front of cars and just like, there's a junction coming, let's get into any gap. And then he got hit in the side by one. And I was sat there like, I, all I've done is just stayed at 70 in the lane and I know that the junction is up there and I'm going to be able to just merge in and off we go. And they were so erratic that it was like, they were only thinking about the car immediately in front of them and next to them and not this yeah. whole, right, there's a junction coming up and both lanes go off. We don't all need to dive into the inside lane. And I was like, I can't remember being like that when I was 17, even though I probably was. And it's hard to put yourself back in that mindset of I'm just reacting to everything that's around me and I've not got enough kind of experience of these situations to know that I don't need to be that pressured. Yeah. I can kind of relax a little bit and go, right, this is how things are probably going to play out. 
I can work around it rather than going, oh my God, what that's, what's that guy doing? What's that car doing? What's this car doing? Where do I need to be? Like, it was such a, a weird thing that I've not experienced mm. really since I've been driving. And now that I'm a, a bit older, I haven't had that scenario where I've encountered young people in cars and then had to go like, Jesus Christ, these kids can't drive. Like, <laughs> normally like this old person sat in the outside lane needs to move out the way. Yeah. And now I'm the older guy going, learn how to bloody drive. Like, <laughs> no wonder your insurance is so expensive. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> um, well, it doesn't help that my first car was a Mini, so it would just fit in any space yeah. and it wouldn't go past 65 anyway. So you couldn't really be a menace on a motorway because <laughs> it was a terrifying experience regardless. Um, but it, it is interesting, like, comparing, say, someone of my age to someone of 17, 18, mm. and just how your brain works differently. Like, I think it's when you're 25, between 25 and 30, is kind of when your brain stops changing. So by 30, you're pretty much like the person you're going to be. Sure. So if you're an absolute knobhead at 30, that's it. Like, <laughs> knobhead no for hope. life. Yeah. Like, my other half's screwed. I'm, I'm at 30 now, so <laughs> this is what she gets. But it is really interesting to kind of, once you kind of learn a bit more about that and then you apply it to these situations go, oh, I can understand why this 18-year-old driver is diving for any gap that they can because their brain works completely differently to my brain and to your brain and to a person of 60s brain. Like, it, it's, I don't know, it's I get kind of lost in yeah. it all a little bit. Um, and I've really taken us off on a tangent, which, again, <laughs> another like little ADHD thing that I'm learning about. Um, let me pull it back into some form of structure so we've gone through the fitness the racing the books Mm -hmm. what's next what are we working on at the minute because i know you're not just going to be doing fitness and that you're probably like exploring something or building something (laughs) Um, well i've literally just finished and launching my race fit app so i've taken all of my um, knowledge and experience with all my different um, teams and drivers and created a online fitness program that you can put down onto your phone through an app and have motorsport specific training programs so they're not the generic ones it's having a look at you know the different areas that you need to be strong in and you know um you know grip strength exercises core strength neck strength you know the stability exercises so i've got a fitness app anyway but i've really just time to switch it up and now i've got my race fit app um in and you know if you're a carter there's a specific program for you if there's if you're in a car you've got a racing program and then motorcycles have a different program because they've all got different ways that they need to train so it's just literally finished all of that it's been a busy few months like filming it um you know doing all the technology stuff and editing it and putting things together in spreadsheets and making things match but yeah it's now launched and ready to go and it's just it's available uh, racefitapp.com i feel like we probably should have started with this really, <laughs> we? we should have got this yeah. bit at the start like what are you up to now and you're yeah. coming like i've done this app and yeah. then we could have used that as well. <laughs> i'm sorry anyone that's at 50 minutes and is now just going i wish i'd known about this an hour ago yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry but it was worth the wait yeah thanks for still listening <laughs> yeah um so putting an app together is a completely different thing to yeah. anything else that you've been doing yeah how have you found that in terms of like learning that process uh, I'm fortunate because when I lived in um, in Australia, I was there with a fitness company and we created a, a very unique, specific fitness app that I was part of creating and developing and testing. So I already understood, you know, the, the nuances that, that go with app development. And, you know, part of me knew that it was going to be a ball ache. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of different things that go with it. Um, but I understood, you know, the, the process and then also understanding what I want from um, a customer's experience and the user interface. So it was then I 
then found an app company to design my original um, fitness program and then you know I've had a great success with that and utilizing that which also was another first lockdown project because I was able to go into a, a local gym when it was empty and no one could go in there and film you know my 400 exercises for oh, it so perfect opportunity. <laughs> yeah exactly so I think most people sat still in lockdown and I managed to publish a book and like create an app um, I want to bring lockdown back <laughs> yeah well um, lockdown seemed to be the time where people were kind of just living life yeah like people like making banana bread and learning yeah. new skills and making things and just enjoying every day yes. as it came yeah and there's a certain amount of like I kind of miss all that I, yeah. I missed not having to worry about like the next paycheck and yeah. having to get up early to go to work and be stressed all day yeah it was quite nice to go well, what should we do today yeah. let's figure it out let's enjoy ourselves I know, let's just be present so yeah, yeah. I mean that, that's what I did with uh, one of the lockdowns so yeah it was uh, finishing off the app bringing it all together um, and you know just like I said it's, then I adapted it and changed it because I saw that, you know, there's a massive need for it. There's not another, um, you know, motorsport-specific fitness app that's out there. So to be able to get it more accessible to people on an international level so that they're training correctly, like, it just it gets me excited, you know. So the more people that I'm able to impact that they can then go and win more podiums, happy. It's, it's a really, like, cool tool. Yeah. Like, that's a really crap way of saying it. <laughs> like, it sounds like I'm trying to be soundbitey. This yeah. is a cool tool. Um <laughs> But it's, it's a really like useful thing, like, especially yeah. for people that might not necessarily have access to a, like a personal trainer for it. Sure. To be able to have a more like easily accessed way to go, oh, what can I do that helps yeah. with this specific thing? And it's you know it's got programs in there that I've written, um, you know, that you can take to the gym, that you can also do your workouts at home. It's also got a personalised nutrition plan in there that can be created for their person. So if they're looking, you know, potentially to drop a little bit of weight, so they're lighter in a car or in a single seater, or if they're looking for performance, then you know we can tailor the nutrition plan specifically for them and take into consideration any of their dietary requirements as well. So you know, if someone wants to be a bit more keto or low carb, um, if someone's a paleo, if someone you know dairy free like we can incorporate all of that um and yeah it's nice tasty meals and you know like i'm a nutritionist but i'm not a chef right yeah, <laughs> so yeah. i don't like to spend long in the kitchen because it doesn't get me excited eating gets me excited yeah food i want and, the food bit yeah. not the cooking bit <laughs> yeah. thank you very much yeah. um you know i always joke that you won't ever come to my house for like a gourmet meal but you'll come to my house for like a nutrient dense meal yeah, yeah. you know um we're going training we need this yeah. like, this has got everything that you need and it tastes all right like it tastes all right you can tolerate this it's not brown rice and chicken every day yeah. it's a bit nicer <laughs> but it's um, not a pain in the arse to cook like, yeah, yeah so. I've got to stand there and like get sauce in the right place and stuff like that exactly so all the recipes I've made sure you know they're, they're, they're quick they're easy to do simple instructions um, but also that you know they're going to taste good and they look good as well perfect yeah I think that's probably quite a nice point for us to round off on because sure. it is the thing that you're doing now yes and then we won't muddy the water with any extra bits of me just trying to go oh that was interesting let's talk about this <laughs> random thing that I've just thought about um, so just to kind of round off the thing, we're almost at the hour mark, which is quite a nice point to have reached as well. Where can people find the app and what's it called? Uh, the app is called RaceFit App. So you just go to racefitapp.com and then you're able to, to download a link to sign up 
to the program and then download it onto your phone as an app. Um, if people come and follow me on the social media platforms, uh, Instagram is um, underscore the Naked Warrior, and just go and search for me, Naked Warrior, on Google. That almost got me in trouble when my other half was like, "Oh, Did who it? are you into?" And I was like, oh, "I can't remember her name, but she's the Naked Warrior." She's like, yeah. "Excuse me," I was like, "No, no, no, I know." That's the name of the Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's another conversation starter as well. <laughs> I bet, I bet it's probably the question you get asked most, and I haven't asked it at all. Yeah, and I'm not going to because we've. we've said we're not going to go down yeah. any more um, well I guess it just leaves me to say thank you very much for sitting down and chatting with me for thank an hour you. sorry if I took us off topic a little bit but hopefully we, yeah. we kept it relevant to what you're doing and what you're up to it's been a lot of fun um, well hopefully my coffee wasn't too bad either so I made a cup of coffee using Mike's coffee machine how was it? cup's empty so it must have been good yep she threw it out when I wasn't looking <laughs> perfect now, thank you so much, Claire. <laughs> That's right, thank you so much, too. Right, let me click stop there.